What is it about short holiday weeks, Renee, that feel twice as long as regular weeks? It's the anticipation of getting out of here. Right. We only have three days. Well, most of us only have three days this week. And it's Tuesday, and I'm like, is it Thursday yet? It feels like it feels like second Thursday. <laughs> it does today. feel like second Thursday. But you know what? Every every day is a vacation when you're living the dream. That's right. And I'm still <laughs> dr- something like that. And by dream, I mean I'm still asleep because it's still early. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yesterday, Governor Gretchen Whitmer she signed three bills to temporarily ban people who've been convicted of domestic violence from owning guns. Uh, I'm just going to read right from Clara Hendrickson in the Free Press. Uh, the new law bars individuals convicted of a misdemeanor involving domestic violence from possessing, using, transporting, selling, purchasing, carrying, shipping, receiving, or distributing firearms or ammunition in Michigan for eight years after they've paid all fines, served out any imprisonment term, and completed the conditions of probation imposed on them. Those who violate the ban will be guilty of a felony and could spend up to five years in prison and pay up to a $5,000 fine. The bill signed by Whitmer will take effect in mid-February. And this seems pretty reasonable to me. I think so, too. You know, there's people that uh, I I was reading. It's like 70 women a year die from uh, gun violence. At the hands of domestic partners? Yes. So, you know. That's potentially 70 women that could survive. Right. And, you know, if if one of those 70 women or men, I'm sure in some cases, are are your loved ones, that matters. This is a win. I see this as a win. Well, and there's due process here. I I know a lot of people get hinky about the red flag laws because um, your firearm could be taken away just on on a tip to police. But... This you actually have to be convicted. Yes. You get your due process. And once your due process is over, then you're determined to be a threat because it shows you're capable of violence. And sure. if you're capable of violence, you probably should not have easy access to firearms. Um, and also you have to pay the play the percentages. People who oppose these laws, I'm sure, will say that any infringement on someone's right to defend themselves is an infringement, even if they do have convictions. But what's a more likely scenario? Someone who has a domestic violence conviction genuinely having a need to defend themselves using deadly force or that person using that weapon to intimidate, injure, or even worse. I would right. imagine the second is a more likely scenario. Right. right. Um, in Israel, some optimistic news. I'm not going to call it good news yet, um, but we have been hearing... Reports of a possible uh, hostage deal. Yesterday, Joe Biden, the birthday boy, was asked about it. He said that uh, he believes one is close. And uh, now the one of the uh, Hamas's chiefs says that an agreement is close. And there's no word on if Israel is going to release any Palestinian prisoners. But as of right now, um, the deal is that Hamas will release a a number of prisoners for like a three to five day ceasefire. Yeah, well, it was a big day between that and pardoning turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> well, blowing out birthday candles. Man, little guy needs a nap. I know. Yeah, we'll talk. We're, I, I, I've actually got some takes on pardoning turkeys later on in the show, so <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. Uh,
Uh, Israeli forces pressed their offense against Hamas in northern Gaza on Monday, you know, battling militants around a hospital where thousands of patients and displaced people have been sheltering for weeks, raising Palestinian fears of another painful standoff and evacuation of a medical facility. A shell struck the second floor of the Indonesian hospital, killing at least 12 people. This is according to a medical worker inside the facility and the health ministry in Hamas from Gaza. Both blamed Israel forces. The medical Medical worker at the Indonesian hospital said that Israeli tanks were operating less than 200 meters from the hospital and that Israeli snipers could be seen on the roofs of nearby buildings. The advance came a day after the World Health Organization evacuated 31 premature babies from the Shifa hospital. At least 28 were transported to Egypt on Monday and more than 250 critical ill or wounded patients remained stranded at the compound that Israeli forces stormed just a few days ago. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, last I heard, eight of those premature babies yeah. died. They didn't have uh, incubators because there was no power to the hospital because Fuel for the generators ran out. Fuel for the power grid ran out. And some of those babies are just so tiny that when you would see a normal baby, they would have them in one of those little baby containers, incubators. (laughs) Incubators. I mean, it's not even, but it's just what they would put them in. Oh, like maybe the cribs. The cribs. Yeah. And they have like three of them. I know. Three and four of them. That's how tiny these little things are. Well, I was watching uh, Local 4, which is my channel, and um, Kimberly Gill was reporting on it and when 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 the when the pictures of the babies went up on the TV and she talked about how some didn't make it you could hear the emotion in her voice yeah. it was a very poignant especially moment. as a mother that has to be incredibly difficult to report on yeah and so and Israel has also uh, released more video that they say is evidence that Hamas was operating underneath the El uh, Shifa hospital. They uh, released uh, more footage of of tunnels that they say were used uh, as um, Hamas routes to their headquarters. And they also released security video of what they said was uh, Hamas strong arming um, hostages through the hospital, not to get care, but to usher them down, you know, into their secret lair underneath the hospital. Uh, The Supreme Court rejected former police officer Derek Chauvin's appeal of his second-degree murder conviction in the death of George Floyd, Chauvin's lawyers argue that he was denied a fair trial because of all the publicity the case received and the fear of violence if he was acquitted. Chauvin will continue to serve his 22-and-a-half-year jail sentence. The justices did not comment on their decision. And I, to be honest, Renee, I don't know how this got all the way up to the Supreme Court. We all saw the video. Yeah. It had to be a pretty easy decision. And... You know, I remember when this was a really hot topic, and there are some people who try to defend Chauvin by bringing up things that George Floyd has done in his past. And all that's beside the point. The only question was, at that point where George Floyd died, were the police officer lives endangered at the time they were kneeling on George Floyd? Was it necessary for Chauvin to be on George Floyd for that long? And did him kneeling on George Floyd leave to George Floyd's death Anything else at that moment was was irrelevant. Well, and the way he was leaning on him, yeah, blocking his air passages on his neck. Yeah, and I, I don't remember exactly how long. It was somewhere between seven and eleven minutes that he yeah. was, on. and it was clear that George Floyd was not a threat at right. the time. He had right. been neutralized as a threat. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
But like I said, the the Supreme Court made quick work of that, and Derek Chauvin will um, serve his 22-and-a-half-year jail sentence. Um, New software being employed up at the state capitol. Yeah, this is interesting. They deployed new technology Monday that uses AI to analyze surveillance video for firearms and alert authorities to potential threats. Zero Eyes has recently been deployed at Oxford High School and in other locations across the country. But Monday marks the first time that it was used at the state capitol building, a state capitol building. The additions have been in response to increasingly tumultuous political climate and a pandemic era protests that such armed individuals seeking entry onto the House floor and milling in the Senate gallery. Zero Eyes essentially is a software system plugged into existing surveillance cameras that monitor the inside of the building and the Capitol grounds. The technology uses AI to identify firearms on the Capitol grounds or inside the building and relays that information to an operations center that's staffed with former military and law enforcement officers. This is actually pretty cool. The operations center assesses the situation to determine if the threat is valid. And if so, it dispatches alerts and information related to the gun type, location, or visual description to security teams at the Capitol. The assessment and alert comes within three to five seconds after the alert. So earlier this year, if you remember, the Michigan State Capitol Commission expanded a ban on open carry to include concealed carry within the Capitol, within an exception for lawmakers with concealed carry permits. Since the ban does not include the Capitol grounds, any flag of firearms on the grounds will be used to monitor whether an individual heads towards the state house in an attempt to bring a firearm inside. Now, the technology does cost about three grand a month. Yeah, and and I I'd be curious to see um, how that's being funded. But I got to say, uh, if, if if I'm at the state capitol and I know that there's AI software being monitored by former military law enforcement. I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty safe in my surroundings. Well, and given the situations lately in the political climate yep. and everything going on, I think that it's a necessity. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Renee, you don't have to be near a radio to listen to WJR. No, if you're up and you're making your coffee, you tell Alexa, play 760 AM WJR and she'll do it for you. We are living in the future. We are. We're so high tech. Well, I've got some good news. If uh, if you have someone on your list that has an Alexa, if they're the person that has everything, the government is going to be mailing out free COVID-19 tests again. Oh, my goodness. So, for free? They don't do much for free, so take advantage little, of this. little stocking stuffer. <laughs> so at first when I heard this story, I was kind of worried because I thought, uh-oh. Does this mean that cases are ticking up? Like, is there an index, a free COVID test index, a FCTI, that once they stop giving them out for free, that means cases are low. But when they bring them back, cases are high. It's kind of like an air quality index. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was just me being paranoid. I guess they do this every year. They they stop sending them out um, during, like, the summer when, when cases tick down. And then during the winter, they, they send them back up. So... The uh, tests will be available Monday. You can get them by going to covidtest.gov. And I appreciate the offer, but these tests are like 11 to $25 a piece, while the COVID shots run over $100. So I would say save the free tests and just offer the vaccines for free again. I know it's covered by most insurances, but for people that don't have insurance, uh, I, I feel like uh, $100 off a vaccine is a little more valuable 
than uh, $25 off a test that just tells you you have it and you can't do anything about I it. I got my free test. You, I, still, you still got one of the I hopper? Did. And I and I used one the other day because, as you know, I was not feeling very good last yeah, week. Yeah, you are a little raspy last week. Raspier than usual. I thought that was just all the whiskey and cigars you smoked it before the show. It might be a combination. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right, so we have to get to this next story because... You were just so excited to tell me about it yesterday. Listen, I am doing the people a public service by announcing this story, okay? Go ahead. If you're hosting Thanksgiving and you aren't fully confident in your plumbing, (laughs) you might want to get on it now. Roto-Rooter would like to remind America that Black Friday is also known as Brown Friday. It's the busiest day of the year for plumbers. Ew. And it's not a myth. They expect to get 50% more calls this Friday than average. And it's not only because our toilets will see a lot of a Use. lot more punishment this weekend. <laughs> but that's part of it. Roto-Rooter yeah. says that the main culprits are clogged toilets, kitchen sinks, mm. and also garbage disposals. They say a lot of people just don't realize that their plumbing is partially clogged right. until guests arrive. So it's a it's a whole plumbing system strain. It overwhelms it. Plus, you probably got kids throwing God knows what down the toilet. Well, they say if you're if you're hosting, don't offer flushable wipes. Nope, because they're not really flushable. And if you're cooking, don't pour fat. <laughs> right. Thank you. Excuse Jason. me. Um, don't pour fats or cooking oils down the drain. Right. Because they can solidify inside the pipes. That and should be. Clogs. Ca- Here's the thing: if if you're if your sink gets clogged up because you didn't know you're not supposed to put cooking oils down there. You des- you you don't deserve a house. Right. You shouldn't be hosting. Yeah, yeah. You so. pro- you probably shouldn't be living on your own either. Right. And, yeah. and all I can think of is remember the the movie Meet the Fockers when they had all those people over. And right. Something like that. Yeah. Don't with be the ben septic field. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be Ben Stiller. Yeah. So anyway, there's your PSA. You're welcome. Wow. So, uh, you know, because normally Super Bowl halftime gets all the when it comes to yeah. a strain on the system. Yeah, with all the, the spicy foods. And- well, it, people say there's a myth. There's a myth out there, and I don't know if it's been confirmed, that um, that there's a big strain on the system during the Super Bowl halftime show because people, everyone's waiting to go to the bathroom until oh, halftime. sure. But this is, we actually have some hard concrete evidence here. Yeah, yeah. the Roto-Rooter people, they would know. I wonder if they're like, this is our Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> You know what? This is this is what we get with Jay. You are not going to get a board operator who finds a toilet flush sound effect as fast as it Jason. Finds a I, more appropriate I, time. I was very very surprised to see one in the system already. <laughs> oh, we had it in the system. Yeah, it's it, and it's labeled toilet flush natural sound. Wow. Natural sound. Wow. Hey, uh, yeah, I did not come in today and say, hey, uh, Jace. We have any natural sound of a toilet flushing? We're gonna be talking about something really gross. I would, I would dare to think what the non-natural sound would be, but I'm not gonna look that. <laughs> right, yes, thank right. you. Yes, that might get us in trouble with the uh, FCC. You're not gonna find that with artificial intelligence. You need a human being for that. And speaking of artificial intelligence, of course, you heard by now the board of OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGPT. They shocked the tech world, including their biggest financial backer, Microsoft, by firing CEO Sam Altman along with another founder of the company on Friday. Details were vague. Um, at first, the, the board came out, gave some corporate speak, saying that Mr. Altman was not 
fully transparent with his communications. Now there's reports saying that Sam Altman wanted to grow the company faster than the board wanted to. Um, On Sunday, this became such a huge PR disaster, the board asked Sam Altman back. Uh, Sam Altman declined, and, and he actually went to work for Microsoft. He said, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I got a better offer. I know what I'm worth. Well, and and OpenAI, um, they're in trouble because the other day, 700 employees, which is the majority of the workforce, signed an open letter asking the board to resign because they were so mad that they, they outed Sam Altman. They ousted Sam Altman that uh, they all said that if the board doesn't resign, we all walk and they said they'll follow him to Microsoft. I don't know if Microsoft uh, can can accommodate all those people, but it sounds like Sam Altman uh, was very well liked by Microsoft, which was like their biggest vendor, very much liked by uh, the entire workforce of OpenAI. And it sounds like OpenAI really screwed themselves up and they might be in danger of going under here. Jeez, sounds like a great place to work. It sounds like it was before Friday. Jeez. I mean, here's the thing. AI already kind of makes me uneasy. So unrest and infighting at one of the biggest AI companies makes me even more uneasy. Right. It almost sounds like an origin story of a supervillain. Except it <laughs> sounds like Sam sounds like Sam Altman uh, is well-liked. And it seems like he's uh, very well-supported that maybe the, the, he might not turn into a supervillain. But it's very odd. And uh, I'm actually surprised to hear that Altman wanted to move quickly on AI because I remember he testified in front of Congress earlier this year about the potential risks of AI. And he even called for regulations on his own industry. So, um, yeah, very odd story. And it's and and I'm sure more is going to come out. And, uh, yeah, I'm freaked out. I'm freaked out by by the robots. I'm concerned about how freaked out you are by this ai thing no you ever seen terminator i i have seen terminator that's the it's a that was a prophecy turned out to be all right uh so another big tech company apple is making some improvements to one of its most used functions oh my goodness this this whole thing uh apple says it will soon adopt a messaging standard that'll bring a wider range of iMessage style features to messaging between iPhone and Android users. There is nothing more annoying than being an Apple user and, and texting it, someone that in the green bubble yep, comes up. Yep. yep. Uh, the technology giant announced that it will adopt the RCS or Rich Communication Services messaging standard via a software update in 2024. Now, this includes features such as read receipts, typing indicators, and higher quality images of videos when iPhone and Android users are texting. Apple's adoption of RCS will also give users the ability to share their location with other people inside of group chats. And unlike regular SMS, RCS can work over mobile data or Wi-Fi as well. However, the green bubbles will not be going away. So a couple things. Number one, the read receipt is probably one of the most damaging pieces of technology since the uh, uh, MySpace Top 8. <laughs> it really is. We've talked about the MySpace Top 8 being like Hunger Games. And <laughs> I've shared the story about my first breakup after high school. I saw, I saw myself slowly descend down my ex-girlfriend's Top 8 while Aww. some other dude slowly started ascending. It and was, you've never been the same and it was, since. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've found love since, but... Um, that read receipt though is very damn. I turned mine off because I did too. Sometimes I have to mentally prepare to respond to a text message 
And if I leave you on red, that's a bad look. Because I know if someone leaves me on red, I get mad. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's infuriating. Let's bring back in our board operator, Jason Fissler, um, because he's a he's a green bubble person. And uh, Jason, do you feel shamed by your iPhone friends for having an Android? <laughs> Not at all. I have an Android. I know. I know. That's why I'm. Oh, that's what you're saying. No, I. Uh, no, I don't. No, they, I. I get a lot of. I've uh, gotten a lot of crap for it. Um, I even got um, from the from the, the the late great Frank Brett Beckman used to give me crap for it too. <laughs> so Here, um, here's the weird thing, and too. that did not deter me. So well. I am a reformed Android user, and there's something about getting an iPhone that makes you instantly a snob. Oh, yeah. You judge instantly. (laughs) I can tell by the commercials. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Going back to Justin Long. (laughs) Back in my dating days, if I saw the green bubble, I was was like, and you're done. Wow. That's harsh. (laughs) Now, I'm one of those people that's very uh, close-minded, but if I am open-minded to it and end up getting one one day, I'm sure I'm going to be the person that looks down on the Android oh, user, will. too, you know, so, but for now, why. I'm going to stay where I am. Well, for the longest time, I was an Android user because I didn't want to pay the iPhone prices. Mm-hmm. But and, now they're just as expensive. Right. Oh, as yeah. Android they're phones. just as expensive they are. So, so I like, I like iPhones better, but I won't pay any more than like $150 more for an iPhone than, than an Android. But... As soon as I got that iPhone, though, I was like everyone else. I would text somebody, oh, they're a green bubble. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than being in a group message and there's one person. Right. And you can't name the group. You can't name the group text anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully that's one of the, the, the features that they fixed. And there. I'm calling you out, Carla. That's my sister. Wow. Holy cow. We could have a whole group of it's iPhone gonna users. It's going to be Jerry Springer. She's going to run through that studio door. You guys are going to start fist fighting. <laughs> and then there's my sister. Yep, exactly. Tune in tomorrow where Renee airs all her grievances <laughs> with every member of her family. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And you can stream us anytime, day or night, on the WJR app. You can find it in the Apple or the even the Android store. On your cell phone. Oh, you're talking about you talking about Android users now? Well, well, we, we just did a story. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, Lloyd's <laughs> playing the minority card again. I'm an Android user. I just want whatever. everyone to know. I just want everyone to know that was uh, uh, whatever Guy Gordon says is not necessarily the opinion of Mike and Ray <laughs> on first thing on WJR. But it was funny. We were talking about earlier uh, earlier in the show. We were talking about uh, how. Apple is going to improve the text message uh, function between iPhone and Androids. And we were talking about how I used to be an Android user. And the moment I got my iPhone, I just turned into an instant snob. There's something about that iPhone that just <laughs> makes you put your pinky up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had a, um, a iPhone when I worked at a different company as a work phone. And I just never really used it. I kept using my Android. And uh, yeah. I just didn't. They both have many attributes that are very <laughs> they do. fine. Very they do. diplomatic. Guys. They do. They do. I, I give you that. Did, I've never noticed. I text you a lot, and I've never yeah. noticed a texting problem. I text my son, and it's totally different. So it seems to be which Android phone, or maybe just Android knows it's family, and therefore they're, they're messing with. Well, That's the, right. They know we're all family. Yeah. The only the only way I know is because you get the green bubble instead of the blue bubble. Yeah. When yeah you text right. People. It's green, not blue. And then you go, oh, Lloyd. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, they're an Android user. 
Should we sign them up for Toys for Tots? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, all right. So yesterday was a big day for turkeys being pardoned. Renee, you brought up that uh, Joe Biden pardoned his turkey on uh, uh, on his birthday. Pardoning turkeys, blowing out candles. Was he trying to blow out the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. This, this cake's walking away, man. I, I don't have a Biden impression. Hey, man. Yeah. You're supposed to cooperate. Come it's on, my birthday. Man. Yeah. Um, and Gr- Governor Gretchen Whitmer pardoned her turkey, and I guess there was a uh, contest on naming the turkey. Okay. That they pardoned, and uh, I don't know if you guys heard the name uh, of the one that actually won. I did. It was cute. Dolly Pardon was Aww, the name of the turkey. That's that... Cute. that is cute. I probably nice. would have voted for that one. Yeah, I can't think of that whole tradition without thinking of the West Wing episode where C.J. Craig has to choose which turkey gets pardoned and which one doesn't, Aww. and she's having a horrible moral dilemma. <laughs> you know, that's a great question because how do they pick the turkeys that get spared? Yeah. You know, oh, they just they just pardon That's both of them now. Yeah. There's not even no. Yeah. I mean, out of all turkeys, which begs the question: Where's the transparency? Why won't they reveal the turkey that's <laughs> oh, lost its life in service to this country? I guess the turkey. I, I guess the turkey who gets pardoned by the president, they it, it gets to spend the night in like a, a forest hotel. Yeah, like a yeah. forest. <laughs> I would hate to be the person who cleans up that room. Right. Oh man. Uh, and then they go live in like uh, like like a sanctuary for yep. the rest of their life. But I wonder how those ones are spared out of all the other turkeys at the turkey farm uh, I, you know that's a very good question and i think that uh, we can as soon as you're done with your uh filling in for nick and producing the shows you can we, we should go research that why don't see. you dive deeper into that mike i'm announcing my leave from wj oh, on location <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave of absence for an investigative deep dive watch for the uh netflix documentary in 2024 <laughs> i don't know it, it is it time we re- retire turkey as the main course at Thanksgiving, or is ever- everyone cool with it? Ben Franklin well, just flipped over in his grave, Mr. Parsons. No, <laughs> no, and bleep no. Wow. wow. So Guy is a strong turkey advocate. I, I think it's a great tradition. I'm, But, but I got to say, it, it depends on who's cooking the bird, right? My true. wife does just a, an incredible turkey, and my her does, stuffing is... Does too. Even she fries though, it sometimes. Gail, Gail yeah. goes a little crazy with the um, with the savory seasonings in the in the dressing. <laughs> yeah, we had it Careful come out. Now. We had it come out green one year. Green. Yeah, right. the stuffing came out green. It was kind of like, are we supposed to be eating green <laughs> bread based food? <laughs> uh, it me, was great. Me and myself, uh, if I had the choice, I, I would opt for ham as the uh, main course. I do love a ham, I, and yeah. we always have the ham. Yeah, yeah. we do too. Like, like a choice. Between oh. ham and the and, and well, the turkey, no, wow. it's just in addition to. We have both. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We always have a lasagna. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Oh, Big oh, Italian yeah. Absolutely, yeah, right. you got to have some lasagna. So, yeah. what, what's yeah. the most offbeat thing that you have on your Thanksgiving table that may be a a family tradition? My my mom and dad used to do stuffing with oyster mushrooms, oh. in it, or Ooh. with oysters in them. Oh. Which is a New England well, thing. That's a different Even though take. we have no relationship to the region of New England. I was going to say, how'd that become a family I tradition? I don't know. This is a, they were from Wisconsin. I don't think they're digging them out of the land of the lakes there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, this year, Thanksgiving at my house is going to be the fattest one yet because I decided to uh, have two gravy options. One, um, just you know, traditional gravy. And then another one, meatballs and gravy. 
because I, uh, I I was making uh, my own IKEA like meatballs that. and gravy at home, and I said, you know what, this would go great on some mashed potatoes, and uh, the object of Thanksgiving is to eat until uh, you uh, don't want to eat ever again, and I think that would really uh, I think that would really help. And everybody goes goal. on their diet after. So that, you're right? cooking. Uh, I make the mashed potatoes. I'm not. Okay, uh, yeah. good for you. Yeah, I, 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 I've I, always made the mashed potatoes, and so I'm going to add the, the meatballs, too. So, Will Excellent. you post your Joey Trippiani Thanksgiving pants online? And uh, <laughs> can, we have the pi- can we have the Parsons as a python in the Everglades uh, well, can't, I, can't eat for a month? I will say this. Uh, if you're looking to invest, uh, buy elastic waistbands right now because... <laughs> I, I or maternity pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I still love that. Joey and his yep. Thanksgiving pants. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a strategy when it comes to your pants. Nothing not nothing with buttons. All all elastic. You're amongst family, so who cares? That's right. All right. So, uh big day today on on JR Morning as always if I do say so myself. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more in depth of the polling that shows Joe Biden is in some trouble here in Michigan and all over the country. Does it seem like younger people are having a harder time finding gainful employment? And is the college economy, I'm sorry, and is college becoming less of a necessity? Sounds like I need a little more college. (laughs) Well, Professor of Public Policy Harry Holzer from Georgetown University studies the post-college economy. There's the word. (laughs) And he discusses it with Chris Renwick on JR Afternoons. We have seen a trend in this country, and it has shown up more and more that the younger workforce, right, those that are just graduating college and coming out, are having a real difficult time finding work. And whether you've got, you know, great GPA, you did the internships during your time in school, you know, maybe you participated in a sport, whatever it is, it has become more and more difficult for new college grads to find work. And I'm curious to know why that is. Now, I think part of it certainly plays into the type of degrees they're getting, the type of work that they want to get into. Are they are they going into to sectors of our economy that are booming or that need work? And if those jobs in those particular industries that are booming, there is a different way that they're looking at hiring, too. Harry Holzer is a professor of public policy at the McCourt School of Public Policy at Georgetown University and joins us. Professor, good to have you. Nice to be here. Um, Talk to me about why students are having such a difficult time finding work post-school. Well, um, the labor market has been softening a bit. Uh, and, And in fact, that was deliberate. You know, the inflation was too high, so the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to try to calm the job market down. Uh, It has succeeded in doing that. And young people coming out of college or even community college or high school uh, are are the first people affected whenever the labor market slows down a little bit, right? Because the first thing that firms will do uh, if things are slowing down is to stop hiring new people before they even start laying off folks. And, and and so and so the college graduates right now are, are facing that kind of a job market that's hmm. been softening uh, after a few years of, of very very rapid growth. 
you know, we, we've seen, you know, certainly here in Michigan, uh, even we're, we're seeing less and less students going into the healthcare industry, right? Whether that's nursing, uh, we're seeing less and less students going into the teaching fields Two in very important job markets uh, for us in the United States. And, and so while they're not gravitating towards those types of work or towards hospitality, uh, the hospitality industry, let's say they're they're gravitating more towards engineering or IT because those are are still hot job markets. But those industries are are adjusting to, as you mentioned, the job market and they're adjusting in how they're hiring. It, it seems like a very difficult position for a newly uh, graduated uh, a professional to get into the workplace to find a job when you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, I, I I think the people in those technical fields, like engineering and some of the others, I I think those those young people are going to do fine, because demand in those areas uh, is always pretty strong. And 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 now that now that the Biden administration is going to pour money into building chips and building new infrastructure, I, I think there will be a lot of jobs for folks in engineering. Now, I agree with you that there are fields like healthcare and education where there are real worker shortages, uh, and yet a lot of students aren't aren't wild about the idea of of majoring in those fields for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, a lot of students still, at the undergraduate level, major in liberal arts, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing over the long run. But in the short run, in a softening market, it may not be exactly what what employers are are looking for. Um, and, you know, in healthcare and education, uh, we might need to experience shortages for a while uh, and, and, and then higher salaries in those fields to entice more people to go into them. Professor Harry Holzer at Georgetown University joins us. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like it's a very difficult apples to apples to comparison because this is really a, a, a new job market post-pandemic, right? We don't really have anything to compare this to. So what data do you look at to say, well, okay, things are going to get brighter on the other side of the hill uh, as as the, the, the months wear on here, but how, what do you look at in terms of the future prognosis uh, for, for these students that are entering the job market now? I think if you look at kind of the long-term trends uh, in what economists call labor demand, uh, I, you know, it's, it, it has been much better to have a college de- degree than not to have one on average. Um, and, and I think that will largely be true uh, over, over the next bunch of years. Now, uh, you know, with a couple of caveats, number one, um, we don't know how much things are really going to slow down. I think right now we're going to, we're going to sidestep a recession. I think inflation has come down enough that a, a little bit of softening will occur, but, but not a, a, a deep recession. So I think that will work to the advantage of these college grads. Now, secondly, um, as the baby boomers keep retiring, you know, labor markets will remain on the tighter side. So I think that will also be a plus for these folks. One interesting new trend, however, is that a lot of state governments and a lot of major companies are rethinking whether people have to have a college degree in the first place mm-hmm. for all kinds of jobs. And there's a there's this whole movement towards skills-based hiring rather than degree or credential-based hiring. I don't know if that's going to pick up a lot of steam sure. or not. That could dampen 
some of the college demand that we see down the road. But overall, uh, I'm not expecting a huge recession. I think, I think things will soften for a bit, but then still be relatively good for these folks over the next five to ten years. Well, a lot of these, these people will say, well, uh, it's chicken or the egg, right? Uh, I got out of college. I've got my degree. And now these 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 uh, jobs that I'm applying for saying that I need experience. Well, there's no way for me to get experience unless I get into the job. And so th- that's a difficult part for this uh, this group to try to work through. But also there's another part in this, I think, where you've got, you know, those in the, the fast food industry, for example, where they're hiring up to 15, 16, 17 dollars an hour. Does that. Is there an incentive there for people to maybe take their eye off the ball and wander over here and make, you know, a, a, a couple bucks while they try to find the job? Does that does that skew them from their path, do you think? You know, it's, it's okay just with some short-term cash uh, as long as it doesn't really interfere uh, in, in people's ability to, to send out applications and, and apply for better jobs. You know, that's only short run. Um, so – so they should, they should really do a little bit of that uh, in the short term. But in terms of the thing you mentioned about work experience, you know, we, we should be, we meaning state governments, federal governments, you know, we should be pushing um, community colleges and other places and employers to generate more, you know, working while learning programs, work-based learning, apprenticeships, internships, those kinds of things. That will give students some of that experience. The other thing is that, you know, if some students come out with liberal arts degrees uh, and they've learned how to write and how to think, but maybe they need a slightly more tangible skill, you know, maybe they top off their degree called last mile training. Mm. And you go to community college and you pick up some, you know, some specific technical skill to round out the skills you show employers. And and that might be another way uh, to help them get over this initial bump. Uh, It's very interesting stuff and something that we're going to continue to watch. Harry Holzer, professor at Georgetown University. Uh, Professor, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. 